I'm going to share a little word that I feel like the Lord told me while you were worshiping. Wasn't it good to have the rights here? Amen. 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 Man, I love them. Yes. Right when I walked up, um, little Baylor met me out in the on that little sidewalk. She ran up and hugged me. And she goes, I've been praying for you, Dan. <laughs> and then she said, you're going to preach good tonight. That's what she said to me. Praise God. I probably will. Yeah. <laughs> if somebody's, somebody's going to pray for me. So, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna preach. So, um, Hebrews chapter one, verse one. By the way, this is my first official meeting after being notified that I'm approved unanimously for my first district license. Come on. Oh, yeah. I'm legal, man. I'm legal. Um, but I got, I, got, I got an email, and they approved me. Then the DS called me today that, that approved me and wants me to schedule a three-week district revival. Amen. Amen. So, so I'm, I'm excited. Anyway, yeah, so, I don't know when we're going to do it, but I'm excited. So God's so good. So Hebrews 1, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets in many portions and in many ways, aren't you glad God can speak in many ways? Amen. But... In these last days, he has spoken to us in his son. So what I just want to make a just a little mention there that the way God speaks to us now is through what Jesus did, what Jesus said, what Jesus modeled. You know, we are we're Christians, right? Which means all of our theology is Christocentric. In other words, if you want to know what God thinks about any topic, we have to look to Jesus. Right. Right. Does that make sense, you guys? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not going to tell you anything you don't know tonight, but I'm sure going to stir you up and remind you of things you need to never forget. Right. <laughs> so if you want to know what Jesus thinks about trouble, he gives peace. Yes. Yeah. If you want to know what Jesus thinks about storms, he calms them. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to know what God thinks about sin, Jesus forgives it. So, if you want to know what God thinks about sickness and disease, Jesus heals it. So we have to look. If the message from heaven is the Son, then our life should be trying to reflect that message. Am I right? If Second Corinthians 3 says, if we're supposed to be those living epistles that people are reading about the message from heaven, which is Jesus, then our life should be reflecting the message of Jesus. Right? Not the message of Paul. Come on. Not the message of... J.B. Chapman or Phineas Brzee or anybody else, our me- we're supposed to be reflecting the message of Jesus because that's what the Father is speaking now. And, and so um, he appointed heir of all things to whom also he made the world. And he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature. And he upholds all things by the word of his power. If you want to know how to get to the power of God, it's in his word. It's in his word. So probably the most important thing you'll ever do in your life is to fall in love with this. That's it. Amen. Amen. What do you guys think about it? I mean, that's, that's right. yeah. it's, yeah. it's the, it's, it's the power source. It's the peace source. It's the healing source. It's the holiness source. It's the, it's the persevering. Everything that you need, the power of God, it's in his word. Yeah. Amen. That's so good, man. And I know people like Jay have special gifts of hearing God speak a lot. You know, I hear it sometimes. I don't hear it all the time. 
Michael hears God. We all hear God. We wouldn't be in the room. Everybody in the room's heard God. So don't get hung up if you don't hear him good. Even if you don't hear him good, start reading this. You'll hear him better. Come on. Are you with me? He loves this book. He, he anointed this book. The Holy Spirit inspired it. The Holy Spirit caused it to be written. The Holy Spirit caused the books to be canonized. The Holy Spirit caused it to be preserved. I mean, he put this together probably because he thought somebody might want to read it. Thank you, Jesus. Probably the only reason why we really Amen. need school is so we can train people up to can teach them how to read this book. Yeah. Because that's where the power of God lies. It's in his word. Yeah. Yeah. That's enough on that. Okay. So by the, by the word of his power, I like the sequence of this in. By the word of his power, when he had made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Did you know that that's one of my favorite phrases in the whole Bible? The, the greatest display of the manifest power of God's word is so that we could be purified of all of our sins. Yes. Aren't you glad that line there doesn't say forgiveness of sins? Because yeah. right. then we still need to be forgiven over and over and over and over again. Aren't you glad he has a solution for why we need to be forgiven in the first place? Aren't you glad the power of God's word is so that we can actually be purified of sins? <clears throat> Purification is a different word than forgiveness. Forgiveness removes the debt and the stain and the consequence and all that that's, that sin brought on us and makes us in right standing with God. And forgiveness, forgiveness is awesome, man. We, we need forgiveness. Aren't you glad? Because blood forgives us. But aren't you glad that purification goes deeper than forgiveness? In fact, the parallel verse of that phrase would be chapter 2, verse 11. Look at that verse there. It just says, For both he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified are all from one Father, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. You know what that verse says? That the ones that God has sanctified or provided purification of sins in, those are the ones he calls his brethren, That's right. his brothers, his family, his close-knit family. Yeah. You know, in all the Synoptic Gospels, there's this story where Jesus' mom and brothers and stuff show up while Jesus is teaching, and the people that are in the circle listening to Jesus' words say, hey, look at your family's outside. And every one of those stories says this. No, no, no. My family are those who hear my right. words Amen. and obey them. Yeah. Those are my mother and brothers and sisters. Well, I'm going to tell you, when God's word says we need to be sanctified, when God's word says we need to be holy, when we let the power of that word do what the word says we're supposed to be, Amen. now he says, hey, I'm not ashamed of them anymore. In fact, they're, we're, we're kinfolk. We're brothers and sisters. He's the oldest brother, but we're family. And so I'm thankful for that. Aren't you thankful for the power of God's word? Yes. And, and so I'm going to start with that. Now I want to go to the last verse of chapter 1 and just read that. It says, this is talking about angels. It says, are they not all ministering spirits, spirits sent out to render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation? Let me explain the word salvation. And, and you already know what it means because Michael's your pastor, but I'm going to explain it anyway. It's the word soteria. And, and it's the word that doesn't mean just to be forgiven. It means to be forgiven, to be cleansed, purified, yeah. to be delivered, yeah. to be healed, to be preserved, and kept safe until one day with God in eternity. Yeah. Salvation touches your spirit, your soul, and your body. And that's what our inheritance is. Yeah. Aren't you glad yeah. that our inheritance is forgiveness of sins, cleansing of carnality, 
deliverance from bad mindsets and emotional disorders, yeah. and healing of sicknesses, ills, and diseases. That's our inheritance because that's the salvation that we inherit. Right. Yes. Amen. Yes. Good news. And so if that's the message of God is Jesus, and the result of that message is salvation, look at chapter 2, verse 1. For this reason, we must pay much closer attention to what we've heard. In other words, if we're settling for any message short of the message of Jesus manifesting in our lives, spirit, soul, and body then we're settling. Come on. This, this is a very important verse, you guys. For this reason. For what reason? For the reason that God has called us to walk just like Jesus and to speak just like Jesus and to love just like Jesus. I mean, I'm not going to quote all the verses. I can. And to heal just like Jesus and to hear the Father just like Jesus and to be led by the Spirit just like Jesus and to persevere just like Jesus. I mean, if He's called us to do this, and now he's provided this salvation so we can do it, we need to pay very close attention to this Amen. message yeah. lest we drift away from it. Amen. Amen. Now, what happens when you settle for some form of godliness but you don't embrace the power of his word? Come on. Come on. You're drifting. Yeah. And this word drifting is this word that means you don't have to even know you're doing it because you're doing it without even knowing it. And before long, you're so far away from the God's original intent for even creating us that now we're people going around in need constantly we're people going out around needing someone to minister to us we're people going around just trying to hold on and survive long enough for the rapture of the second coming Wow! and that's not the message of the New Testament the, the, the message of the New Testament is Jesus Amen. the message of the New Testament is full salvation that's right. I, I don't like I don't like exile Theology. Amen. That's Old Testament theology. I like kingdom theology. I like Amen. inheritance theology. Amen. I am tired of hearing people on the internet and on YouTube and in books that I read. It's all about exile. It's all about we're in I'm not in exile. I am actually in the kingdom. Yeah. I don't want to focus on what I don't have yet. I want to focus on what I have for eternity. Come on. <laughs> I actually have salvation right now. I have righteousness. I have freedom. I have peace. I have love. I want to focus on what I have. And, and so if that's not our message, then we're drifting. And this, word, this word drifting, it's a word that you're not held accountable for until the Holy Spirit reminds you or tells you, hey, how did you fall so far behind? You know, I didn't call you to fill you with my spirit so you could walk behind my spirit. Right. I called you to fill you with my spirit so you could walk in step with my spirit. Yes. Yes. I, I called you so you could reflect my image. I called you so you could be a, a, a representative of my kingdom. I called you so you could almost be like a Christian. That's right. That's why I called you. I didn't call you to come up against something hard and all of a sudden say, well, I don't want to be disappointed again, so you don't want to believe anymore like that because I'm, I'm sorry, but the only way righteousness is revealed is from faith to faith. It's not from faith to rest. It's not from faith to make it all understandable. It's, it's only revealed from faith to faith, which means you've got to believe 
when it makes no sense. And once you get to that level, then you got to believe where it makes no sense again. So it's not supposed to get lower and lower. It's supposed to go glory to glory, higher and higher. And every time you go to a new level of faith, it's because it's God stretching you because faith is required when you don't know how to understand it with your logical mind. Come on. That's it. Amen. It's just making sense. Amen. Now, it says in Leviticus and several other places in the Bible that when you drift unintentionally, God's atoning grace covers that until his provenient grace reminds you that now you've drifted out of what I originally planned. You're no longer in the light that I designed for you to walk in. Now you need to get back in step with the Spirit. So drifting you're not held accountable for until God reminds you that you've settled for something way less than being Christ-like. So wow. good. Is this making sense, you guys? Amen. So in other words, if you've drifted away from trying to live and replicate the life of Jesus tonight, but God by His Spirit and His grace, come on, in James 4 it says, if you know what you ought to do and you don't do, that's when it becomes sin. So if you didn't know you were drifting tonight, but now you're starting to hear the Spirit say to you, you've been drifting, you don't have to be in condemnation for that. You just need to get back in step with the Spirit. I want to propose to you that if you're not pressing in continually to be just like Jesus on the earth, then you're drifting and you don't even know it. There's no middle ground in Christianity. There's not like, I'm pressing when I feel good and I'm resting when I don't. No. You're either pressing or you're drifting. That's right. That's right. Come on. Come on. Wow. Are you hearing me? Matthew 22, 29 says this. It says, you err in this. You don't know the word of God, therefore you don't know the power of God. What do they err in? When you don't know the word, therefore you don't understand the power that's available... And, and my, 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 question, my question is, why did Jesus say that? Because they had gotten so far away from the words meaning to release power so they could be like Jesus. They were trying to learn, like 1 Corinthians 8 says, knowledge just puffs up. If all you're trying to do is learn to make yourself look or sound smarter, all it does is puff up. Right. But if you're trying to learn to get a, revel, a, a deeper revelation of who really is inside of you, making you try to be like Him... That doesn't puff you up, it humbles you up. Does does that make sense? And so he said, you err in this. You don't know the word of God, therefore you don't know the power of God. Well, that word err is a word that can be translated, you're drifting. In other words, if you're not operating in the power of God's word that expresses itself in the demonstration of the power of Christ's likeness. In other words, if our lives aren't manifesting Jesus, it means we're drifting. I don't want to be a part of the drifting church of the Nazarene. I want to be a part of the the, the pressing in church of the Nazarene. And and I I thought, this is silly. I'm coming to Mike Perkins' church where Brian Powell's his DS. I know his wife. And I know some of these people. This is the last people that are drifters. And God said, well, I was worshiping. You need to preach this message. So I'm preaching it. Greg will tell you, I had no clue what to preach when I came to church tonight. And I got a thousand sermons. I didn't know what to preach. God says, preach this. Somebody needs to hear this. So look at this. Look at this. Don't drift from it. Why? Because when you drift, before long you get so far away. And if you're not careful, drifting will lead to what the next verse 3 says. How will we escape if we neglect? Hi, Jan. That's one of my friends. How did you see you? I'm sorry. ADD. I'm sorry. How will, we, how will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? There's that word salvation again. In other words, 
if we're neglecting the fact that the message of Christ is so that we can be healed physically, spiritually, and emotionally, relationally, financially, he came to make things right. He came to restore things that had been stolen by the enemy. That's why Jesus came. And he wants it to happen in all of us. Individually and corporately. He doesn't want it to be a few chosen. He wants a royal priesthood to reflect the image of Jesus. And and if we we drift from that, then if we're not careful, we get to a place where we start neglecting it. Now, neglecting is different than drifting. You're held accountable for what you neglect because it's a willful choice to do it. In other words, if the Holy Spirit tells you, wait a minute, why are you settling? Why are you settling for somebody else to do the hard work and press in and look like a fool for Jesus? But you don't want to be hurt anymore because you've tried that. It just doesn't seem to work for you. I'm telling you, if you drift long enough, now it comes and it turns into neglect, which is a willful volition. It's a willful decision not to embrace the message of Jesus being our reality. You're guilty for neglecting. And if you're drifting and you don't want to repent and turn around and get radical in your faith again, then you'll leave here neglecting and now you're in trouble. I'm preaching away really good. This word neglecting, it's used a couple times in the Bible. This is what it says. It means you become negligent. And you actually start making light of this call to embrace what Christ really purchased for us. In other words, you, you start mocking it and you have the tendency to yeah. influence others around you. And I want to ask you, I'm, I'm not going to ask you to judge anybody, I'm not going to ask you to think of a person in your mind, but I want you to think about this. How many churches do you think in our movement people are ostracized if they actually want to think they can live up to the life of ministry of Jesus? Come on, Come on. Tell me our churches aren't full of not just drifters. I know we're full of drifters. That's why we need renewal. That's why we need awakening. But tell me how many of our churches are full of those who have gotten way past drifting and now they're neglecting and they're trying to influence others to neglect it. Because we want to be we want to be accepted and whatever. And and if we don't get back to living and replicating the life and ministry of Jesus, we're going to be the most unrelevant movement there's ever been. Because we were given the greatest doctrine on the planet by John Wesley and Finnis Brzee and the guys who handed it down to us. Our doctrine is better than the Reformed doctrine, you guys. Our doctrine is better than the Charismatic doctrine. We have the best doctrine, but if we don't embrace it and believe it, what good is it? Come on. Come on. Come on. Preaching the truth. And here's, here's the deadly end. This is what scares me to death. Look at chapter 3, verse 12. It says, it says take care, brethren. And, and, and the, whole, the whole end of my chapter there, in my Bible, is just called the peril of unbelief. See, what happens when you drift long enough that now you just start neglecting because you don't want to be convicted to go back to that first love where you're not afraid of anything. Now you neglect. And what happens if you stay in neglect long enough? Now you become an unbeliever. And here's the danger of unbelieving. That means you're no longer a believer. Second <laughs> wow. Corinthians 4 4 says it says, The God of this age is blind to those who un, are unbelievers. Who are, the, who are the ones Satan's trying to blind? People that once were believers, but they got disappointed, so they started drifting. And then people started trying to 
sell them. It's okay because everybody else is doing it. And then somebody would come along and speak a word. The Holy Spirit would convict them or somebody would preach a message and they would have a choice now. Am I going to stay lukewarm? Am I going to stay two steps behind? Am I going to settle because I don't want to be hurt or disappointed by people or circumstances anymore? No, I'm not going to do that. I can do this because everybody else is doing it. Now you're neglecting. What happens if you stay in that lifestyle long <coughs> enough and then you become an unbeliever? Come on, man. That's why what, what, what John got the revelation. He says you need to repent from the height from which you've fallen. Right. Wow. Well, man, if you haven't fallen, you don't need to repent from it. That's right. <laughs> it says you need to do the deeds you did at first. Yeah. Repent from the height from which you've fallen and return to your first love. Right. Right. So let's just read, read this. Verse 12, it says, Take care, brethren, that there be not be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. What happens when you have an evil, unbelieving heart? You fall away from God. That's it. Yeah. That's right. So it starts with drifting. Yeah. And then it becomes neglecting. And then you become wicked. Yeah. This word wicked is the word paneros, where you get porno pornography. Mm -hmm. It's wicked. It's deviled. It's, it's, it's evil. People in the church become evil if they don't believe in the power of the Word and the power of the Spirit trying to make us like little Christ. Right. Amen. Amen. That's it. Yeah. Amen. That's the message of the whole New Testament. Amen. And if we don't embrace it, we become evil and wicked. And we don't even know how wicked we are because they thought they were still in and they all had to die in the wilderness instead of going into God's promise for them. Right. And does that have to happen in a movement before the movement can be resurrected? I hope not. And I sure hope you guys don't have some mentality that you're the ones that are in and they're not. Because until we're really manifesting Jesus... We probably ought to stay really broken yeah, yeah. and humble. Yeah. Come on, am I right? Yeah. So, so, so let me tell you how easy it is to drift. Can I do that? Play, play a little bit, Terry. Help me. Thank you. I was doing this camp meeting in in South Ohio, Nazarene camp meeting. And some of you heard this story. I'm just going to tell you a few stories, and then we're going to pray. Is that okay? Yeah. I'm done preaching. I'm just going to tell stories now. And I called people to come up for prayer, for healing, and about 100 people came up for healing. And then about 150 people went to the snack shop at the same time. There was maybe 750 in the tent. That's what I'm guessing. 750 to 800 is a big tent. 100 wanted healing. 150 wanted hot dogs. And I'm up here trying to wake up a church. Now, I'm looking at those people out there ordering food, and I'm so mad. And here, here's the deal. I'm disappointed because I'm living away from home, away from everybody I love, thinking there's a people in the church that really want to live Jesus again. Yeah. And there is. Yeah. But if I got my eyes on people looking for them to affirm me instead of the one who never disappoints me, people are always going to disappoint me. You get it? So they're out there standing in line, and I'm griping to God, what am I doing here? And God says to me, what are you doing? Start praying. That's all he said. Start praying. They came up for healing. You're here for them. Those people, you, they're not here. They can't receive what you have. And what was he saying by that? People that are poor in spirit. People that are desperate and poor in spirit, they can't receive the word of God. Come on, you guys. It goes right over their head. It goes right over their heart. All they hear is, how long was the sermon? They don't remember anything the sermon did because it didn't touch the part of them they don't ever get over. So quit worrying about the ones who aren't receiving. 
I guess what I'm telling you is look for the 25% of the, of the soil that's really good and let's just pour the word into that. We can't, if, if you look for the good soil, you won't be disappointed how big the tares get. You can give a rip, man. Because God's going to do the harvesting anyway. It's His harvest. It's easy to preach after the fact that I won later, but it's not easy when you're in the moment. So I'm mad. I'm saying, God says, start praying. So I'm going down the line. I'm praying for people. And I get to this lady. She's in a wheelchair. I said, how long have you been in the wheelchair, honey? And she says, 10 years. And in my mind, I'm sitting here thinking, okay, what are you doing? You know, what are you going to do? I'm looking over there at those people. And the Lord shows me her getting up. I said this a couple nights ago. I don't have the I don't have as good a faith or the kind of faith that maybe Craig or Jay had. I don't think I have great faith, but I think I have a I think I have a tenacity to stay Amen. intimate with the one who's faithful. Amen. Yes. Amen. If I stay so close to Him, His faith works good enough for me. Yes. I don't have to have great faith. I just need to have great intimacy That's with right. the faithful Amen. one. Is that is that making sense? Yeah. So I, I said to her, what's wrong? She said, I got this disease. Can't feel my legs. She's old. She's 70. 10 years, huh? Yeah. Lord says, look, she's going to get up. Get her up. So I said, you want to try? She goes, I'm afraid. So am I. I looked over at them. There they are. I said, let's go. I grabbed her hands, got her up, and she's walked around the whole tent. And she had, listen, she hadn't walked for 10 years. Now, here, here's, here's, the, here's, the, here's the purpose for telling that story. It's not for me, guys. It's for you. If I would have drifted because of disappointment over 150 people, nothing would have happened. That's right. That's right. That's right. If I'm pressing in at any moment, that message of Jesus can manifest in anybody's life and the supernatural just becomes natural. Yes. Now, if I'm drifting because I'm disappointed, because I'm hurt, because I'm offended, because I'm in fear, whatever reason, I'm drifting. I got nothing to give that guy except some religious routine of gathering the elders, putting some oil on him, and not even believing nothing will ever happen. Right. Jesus. Are you with me, church? Yeah. She gets up and walks, and everybody in that tent is shouting. There, there was 20 Nazarene pastors there. The DS was there standing right next to me. Nobody could explain it. She hadn't walked in tent. Everybody knew her. Everybody's shouting. And those people are looking in, and my heart went out to them because they were looking in when they heard the shout, see? And what would happen if people never were drifting in a congregation, but everybody was always pressing in? We wouldn't have to hear some shout to get you to believe again, because everybody would already be believing. That's what pressing in means. You press in before you see it. Is this making sense? The Lord revealed to me after that meeting, because I was upset at first, but he revealed to me that all those old people that went to the snack shop, it wasn't because they didn't love God. It's because they've been disappointed probably so long. Now, I don't know this, but I'm thinking what God revealed to me. He said probably they prayed for their spouse and they died. Probably they prayed for their kids and they still got divorced. Probably they prayed for their grandkids. They're still on meth. There's a lot of it down there. Probably they prayed for their church and it's still shrinking. And if you're basing your faith on results instead of a faithful one, I promise you, you'll get into drifting and neglecting, and, and eventually you won't even believe anymore. God told me what they need to see is a miracle, just to yank them out of that drifting mode and get them back into where they would press in. Amen. 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 
You hear me, church? This message is for all of us. Yes. I was in West Virginia doing one of those district revivals. Did 42 of them. District revivals. Wow. When I wasn't licensed. That's kind of scary. Anyway. <laughs> and I remember I got a call from this man that was, that's on the board of my ministry. His name is Bill Campbell. And he's an important man to my life. He's, he's a man that actually donated the house that I live in to the ministry, so I live there for free. He takes care of us. And he called me on the phone and he said, he said, Danny, my boy's dead. His boy Todd was 42. He left behind his wife Debbie and three kids. I had prayed for Todd for about three and a half years that God would heal him. And he died of cancer. These are the times that if your motivation is for anything else but intimacy with Jesus, these are the times that it kicks you into this drifting default mode. Yeah. Are you hearing what I'm saying here, guys? If you're, if you're after, well, I laid hands on that person, they got healed. Well, I preached that message, they all got saved. Well, no, if that's what you're after, if that's what's feeding your faith, your faith is not really being fed. Come on. Right, right. If anything but pursuing intimacy with Jesus is what's driving you, then when the person dies, your faith is shipwrecked. And if you're not anchored with some kind of a deep, intimate relationship, now you're drifting. Does this make sense? So I remember crying on the phone. I didn't want to preach. I said, Bill, do you want me to come home and go to the field? They live in Oklahoma City. I said, do you want me to come home? He goes, no, man. You're doing what you're supposed to do. My mom and my brother and my dad and my wife all went to the funeral because I couldn't. I was doing revivals. And, and I remember just laying in my room, sad, hopeless, broken. And the Holy Spirit speaks to me and he goes, hey, I want you to preach on healing tonight. And I didn't have any faith. This is when I learned a lesson that I'll never get over. See, when you learn lessons when you don't have anything and God fills that in, then you, get, you don't get over that. That's right. Come on. That's right. I had no faith that night. And I just remember saying, God, I don't have faith. I can't even preach, let alone preach on healing. And he goes, you don't need any tonight. He goes, he goes even when you become faithless, I remain faithful. Because I cannot deny myself and I live inside of you. That's what he told me. He quoted one of his own verses that he wrote. And so I went to church with no emotion. No, no adrenaline. I wasn't up. I was down. You know, we're supposed to eat our daily bread. Yeah. Sometimes it's bitter. Right. Right. Sometimes the daily scroll is real bitter and it makes you sick and you don't want to eat it. But if you let it digest, listen, if you let that word go deep and take root. Come on. Come on. Come on. Comes out, sometimes it comes out the sweetest. Yeah. But you got to take what comes every day. Yeah. You can't say, well, I don't want to press in today. It's too hard. No, you just live pressing in. Right. Yeah. You live leaning in to the possibilities that Christ could manifest at any moment if you keep pressing in. That's right. Are you with me, church? And, and so I got up and preached. I said, does anybody need healing? Whole front field. Everybody needs healing. That's why we need people that aren't drifting. Yes. If there's nobody pressing in, how's anybody ever going to get healed? It's not going to be by chance. So I just went down the line, be healed. I had no faith. That whole night, I didn't have any word of knowledge. I didn't have any word. I just knew that God said, pray for healing. So I just said, be healed in Jesus' name. Be healed in Jesus' name. I just went down the line. Service is over. The pastor and the DS said, hey, you want to go out to eat? No, I don't feel good. And I didn't. 
I didn't tell him the story. I didn't feel good. So I went to my room. The next day I got up, talking to Bill on the phone. He says, we're getting ready for the funeral. We're planning it. It's exciting. He's, he's, he's got his whole casket and his whole funeral. He had, he had witnessed for the previous six months knowing he was going to die. And the whole church was filled to like three times the capacity of the church. Wow. And it was amazing. Well, anyway, that night the Lord said, preach on sanctification. Okay? Because I believe in holiness and healing. There's a book that says that. Holiness and healing. And I preached on sanctification. People responded and I was thankful, but I still felt down. I'm telling you, your emotions are real, but they're not as real as him. Your emotions are real. So don't fight them. Just allow God to come into them. Allow God to use those broken times to learn to hear him better. Allow God to use those lonely times, those empty times to, to, to be filled more. Yes. Come on, you guys. Yes. Don't fight the emotions. We, get over it. Get over it. They'll, they'll change four times before you get home. <laughs> Let's just keep pressing in. Yes. So so I preached that night. Good altar call. I thought we were going to go home. Nope. Two hours. It's time to go home. Pastor stands up. Hey, anybody get healed last night? I thought, what are you doing? Nobody got healed. And the worship lady stands up. You don't forget these things. She goes, Pastor, you know this eye that's got that half blindness? It's not there. I can see perfect out of my blind eye. It's unbelievable. And everybody's clapping. Then this lady stands up. She goes, last night I had you pray for my son who's on dialysis. So when you laid your hand on me, you prayed for my son. I took him in for his dialysis this morning. He didn't need it. His kidneys started working again. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Then this third lady that stood up, she goes, you remember my neck brace? I said, yeah. She had had a car wreck 12 years earlier and had a neck brace for 12 years. She couldn't hold her head up. Constant pain. She goes, I woke up this morning. I don't have any pain. No pain meds all day. My neck's healed. I don't know what's going on. Then the next lady said her cancer was healed. But so there was like five or six testimonies of supernatural yeah. things. Come on. I had nothing yeah. except obedience. Thank Come God. on. What does pressing in look like? Amen. Obedience. Yeah. That's, right. if that's all it is. That's right. If you love me, you'll obey me. Yes, that's it. Come on. Yeah. I was in I was in Cadillac, Michigan. It's one of my favorite places to ever minister. It's one of my best friends is a pastor. And I, I remember when I was sitting out by my table before the service started, and it was a good gathering. Like 150 people there from 10 churches. And it was a good gathering. They were packed. The little church was packed. And there was this couple that came in in a wheelchair. And the lady was just sitting there like this. Just. And I looked at the man. I said, hey, man, where'd you guys come from? And he said, four and a half hours south in Ohio. Four and a half hours? What are you doing? He goes, we need a miracle. We need a miracle. I said, okay. So he rolled her in. They sat in the back. And the Holy Spirit kind of whispered to my heart and said, I want to heal her tonight. I love that. <laughs> so I preached my message. We prayed for people. Good night. And about the end of the service, I said, okay, sir, can you bring your wife up? By the way, that guy gave his life to Jesus, her husband. That night he gave his life to Jesus. So I said, can you bring your wife up? God's going to heal her. That's what I said. I had such faith because God said, I'm going to heal her. So he pushed her up. I said, sir, what's wrong with your wife? 
He goes, she has Lou Gehrig's disease. All my faith just went. <clears throat> you see how easy it is to drift? Come on, you guys. My, my friends Dave and Barb, they just had a, a granddaughter born that died an hour after she was born, just two weeks ago. They traveled, they had to go home because they just lost a granddaughter. You know how easy it would be to drift if we let offenses take over the passion for Jesus? You see, God. life's real. God, yeah. I said, Lou Gehrig's, huh? I'm trying to I'm trying to question my way into faith, and that's probably the stupidest thing you could ever do. You shouldn't ask questions. You should just believe the Word of God. Amen. The more you know, the less faith you might have. Amen. So I said, how long she had it? Nine years. That didn't help. <laughs> and I said, can she move? And he says, he says, Brother Dan, she hasn't moved in three and a half years. She can't say anything. She can't move anything. And I just remember looking at her, and the Holy Spirit says to me, what are you waiting on? I'm trying to talk to God. Don't you know what she has? You know? You see, here, here's... And I'm just talking about some, some examples. You all live these examples. It doesn't have to be healing. It can be anything. That's right. Yeah. But, if it, but if it seems like a mountain that's too big for you to even believe for, what is easier to do? Press in or to drift? Because all it does is start with one drift. And then it, if you're not careful, you could end up wicked. Right. It's just making sense. So I said, okay, I said, okay, ma'am, you can't move. Okay. If you want me to pray for you, would you just look at me? And so I remember this scared me because she didn't move the whole service. And she goes like this. She goes. And then she puts her head up. Like that. She kind of dropped her head back. Her husband, her husband had his hands on the back of the wheelchair. And she kind of put her head up back on his hands and she was staring at me right in the eyeballs it freaked me out you know it's like oh. I mean this was a big deal after this miracle happened this night I had three DS's from the Olivet region call me to ask what happened because they heard about it it's a big deal and so she just stared at me and I said ma'am if you want me to pray for you would you just reach out and her husband says she can't do that you know what I said shut up sometimes sometimes we don't need to tell people what they can't do we need to encourage them to try what they can't do. And I'm not saying be weird. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying if a lady is moving her head that she can't move, then probably ought not say what she can't do. So I said, reach out for me if you want me to pray. So she grabbed a hold of my hands. Now remember, she can't move. She grabbed a hold of my hands and she pulled herself up on her feet. And she fell into me. Her face and her body fell into me. She's on her feet and everybody's just everybody's going nuts because she can't move. And long story short, she took off walking. Amen. God healed her. She's just walking around the room. She came back. I was tired walking around with her. So I said, get back in your chair. So I put her back in the chair. And her husband pushed her to the back. And, and then all of a sudden, the whole front filled with people seeking God after that miracle. And the service already went three hours. But after you see something like that, I, I remember watching this lady the whole time that last half hour before the service ended after her miracle, and she would make a fist, and she would make this noise, and she would hit her husband in the arm. <laughs> and she actually did that for 30 minutes straight. She, she would make a fist, she would look at her hand, because she couldn't move, remember? And she'd go... 
boom. I have no idea why she's hitting me, okay? She's catching up. I, I have no idea. So the service ends. The service ends. And these two elderly ladies get up. They're sitting on the back row. And they run up to the pastor, the Nazarene pastor, Brian. And they say, Pastor, we're so sorry. We're so sorry. And he goes, what do you mean? We didn't believe in miracles. We're so tired of you having Dan Bohai come. We're so tired of the way you preach about the kingdom. We're sick of it. Because both of their husbands had died. But they said, we need to repent, Pastor. Because we watched that lady get healed. And she couldn't move the whole service. And we watched her and we believe again. See, what one miracle did is it got some people out of drifting. And it got them into pressing in again. That's why we can't all drift at the same time. Right. Are you with me, church? I was at, I was at a church in um, Brazil, Indiana. This guy was a year and a half ago. Yeah, February. Two years ago. Years. Yes, sir. Come up here and stand by me. This this pastor that was hosting this meeting, there was a lot of manifestations happening, and I don't understand them, you guys. There was people.